Hello and welcome to Gutted. I am Elise. And I'm Tony and we are here to spill our guts about horror films. And thank you for watching or listening to another episode of the Gutted Horror Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, all those other places where you might find a podcast. We should be on there. If we're not, go ahead and email us at guttedhorrorpodcast at gmail.com and we'll make sure to register. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So today we will be discussing 1982's Poltergeist, written and produced by Steven Spielberg and directed by Toby Hooper. Oh, yes. We have this retro classic. Are you excited for it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love this movie. I know this is a big uh, childhood movie for Elise. It is. For me, not as much. It's one of those ones that just fell by the wayside. I might have seen a sequel and... Um, might have got the tagline incorrect saying like they're, they're back. Yeah. <laughs> like they, I always thought the tagline was they're back. And then when I heard they're here, I was like, wait, that sounds off. <laughs> it's because I, I think I saw number two. two or three. I don't even know because I, I can't remember them. I haven't seen them. Recently. I could see they're back being the tagline for number two. Yeah. They're back. Yeah. Or what? that dinosaur cartoon movie. What's that? They're back. Oh, I don't know that one at all. <laughs> Didn't it come out like around the same time as like Land Before Time or slightly after. Anyway, not a horror movie <laughs> I'm at all. Digressing. <laughs> so we're here to discuss 1982's Poltergeist, as Elise said. Mm-hmm. This episode will be a spill your guts episode where we will recap the entire film and explore some of the film's elements more deeply, spilling all of our feelings, thoughts, and guts in the process. Before we do, however. We should warn you that there will be spoilers. Yes. So listen at your own risk. If you have not seen Poltergeist, press pause on that music browser or YouTube channel immediately and go watch the film. I don't care if you're at work or if you're in the car, pull over to the side of the road, (laughs) find a bootleg copy, go hide in the bathroom, go watch the film. Don't find a bootleg copy. You go pay money and buy the blu-ray or dvd or vhs (laughs) (laughs) anyways uh go see poltergeist because this film is an absolute classic yeah it's a classic we love it everyone loves it yeah so honestly uh, you probably have seen it and i don't i think there's like 10 people who haven't seen it yeah hopefully you have all seen it so hopefully the spoilers won't yeah. be too bad. We're just gonna recap it for you in case We're it's just been refresh a while. your memory. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while yeah. since you've seen it, right? So here's here's the recap. Cue the star-spangled banner and pixelated patriotic okay. images. We pan out slowly over the course of the anthem to reveal everyone's preferred nightlight in 1980s America, a glowing television set. The anthem ends and we're left with white noise and TV snow as all the house's occupants remain fast asleep, with the exception of an opportunistic golden retriever. We follow him from room to room until he leaves us with the youngest resident, little five-year-old Caroline Freeling, played by Heather O'Rourke. She stirs from her slumber and is compelled to leave her room and travel down the staircase, her blonde hair and blue eyes illuminated only by the strobing television set. 
She continues forward until she is no more than four inches from the TV screen, the standard viewing distance for every 80s child. But what's this? She's talking to the screen like it's a new best friend? Again, pretty typical. I mean, it is TV. But what? She's staring at TV snow and doesn't once reach for the channel button? Hold up, something is amiss. Hello, hello, she screams. I can't hear you, hello. The rest of the freelings are now wide awake and gathered in the living room to view the youngest member of the family going for a double high five with snowy plexiglass. Cut to the next morning and an aerial view of the suburbs. Ah, tree-lined streets, station wagons and driveways, and a responsible booze hound riding a bicycle with a case of 36 beers under his arm. If a remote control car didn't send that unwieldy package to the ground, gravity certainly would have eventually. But at least he's made it to his destination. Sunday morning football at the Freelings. And our inconsiderate biker barrels his way into the living room, spraying beer cans and all. Upstairs, Mama Freeling or Diane played by Joe Beth Williams, is tending to household duties until she spots the family bird Tweety belly up at the bottom of the cage. Just as she's about to send Tweety to the big septic tank in the sky, little Carol Ann walks in. Damn, now Diane has to spend her Sunday converting her box of drugs into a tiny coffin and teaching her youngest about the meaning of life and death. At least watching Carol Ann give her dead bird treats for the afterlife is pretty cute. And her little tear-stained cheeks dry up quickly at the prospect of a new goldfish. All is well. But Diane better empty a second doobie box quick, judging by Carol Ann's heavy-handed feeding style. That night, Diane and Steve Freeling, played by Craig T. Nelson, work diligently on whittling away their weed supply until their fun is interrupted by eight-year-old Robbie, and a completely reasonable fear of the gnarly tree outside his bedroom window and the world's creepiest toy. Who thought a life-size clown doll was an acceptable gift for a child? Later that night, we're not exactly shocked to see four crammed Freelings fast asleep in the same bed. That familiar anthem blares from the television set until it once again fades into static, and once again, Carol Ann awakens, but this time, we hear the whispers too. Or do we? Suddenly, a green ghost-like hand emerges from the screen, burrs an electric shock straight into the wall above the bed, and shakes the entire room like a 6.5 earthquake, effectively waking everyone in time to get creeped out again by Carol Ann. They're here, she hauntingly sings out perfectly framed by the glowing TV screen. The next morning, the kitchen is bustling with sibling squabbles, fresh waffles, and a frustrated daddy freeling, desperately phoning anyone who might be able to confirm last night's earthquake. Meanwhile, Diane attempts to address Carol Ann's penchant for creepy one-liners. What did you mean? Who's here? Why, the TV people, obviously, mummy. No time to dwell on that. Robbie's glass spontaneously bursts and great. Now oldest sister Dana has to change and will only have 10 seconds to humor the sexist construction workers installing the family pool. Humph. Fast forward to that evening and the TV people are done being coy. And they've collaborated with the gnarly tree. It's 1-1000 crash and so long Robbie. His worst nightmare realized as he sucked down the esophagus of an old oak tree. But it's Carol Ann who's the real prize as she's sucked into her bedroom closet and sent to hang with those TV people. Time to call the professionals. Cue three parapsychologists from the local university. But after a gruesome midnight snack, the worst facial ever and a parade of spiritual orbs traveling through the Freeling's living room like it's Grand Central Station, it's clear that a little more help is needed.
Enter Tangina, sassy spiritual medium played by Zelda Rubinstein. This unlikely badass informs the Freelings and the audience exactly what lies between death and the great beyond. Mostly confused travelers trying to pass over and, oh yeah, the beast. So how do we defeat a powerful and hateful spirit beast? By employing the ideas of eight-year-old Robbie. Just tie a rope around someone, go fetch Carol Ann, and yank him out. Attached to a giant umbilical cord, Diane enters the womb or room to get her wee one. Moments later, they are birthed together through the living room ceiling, covered in afterlife membrane, but all in all, this house is clean. And with that, it's moving day. The nightmare's over. Dana pieces out to another friend's house. Diane dyes her stress gray back to brown, and for some reason, Robbie refuses to put his creepy clown doll in the goodwill pile. Which can only mean one thing. The nightmare continues. In a nutshell, killer clowns, somersaults on the ceiling, skeletons in the pool, coming face to face with the beast and an ever-hungry closet equals we are leaving this house tonight the freelings frantically pile into the family station wagon as freshly hickey dana is dropped off just in time to deliver the most chilling what's happening an unimpressed robbie pleads with dad just go leave her but dad thinks against it and finally tosses his eldest into the vehicle moments before the house implodes into a zap of light and then nothing the Freelings' travels finally come to a quiet close at the Holiday Inn as they listlessly walk to their motel room, muddy, bloody, and burnt out. Silently they enter, but sorry kids, there'll be no HBO. The TV people will have to sleep outside tonight. The end. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. What's a retelling? Now, I feel like I have... Like you've seen it. You remember it all. Yeah. Yeah. I, you just watched if, it. If I hadn't watched the movie just <laughs> if we moments ago... If we hadn't just watched it. <laughs> if I hadn't just watched this movie, I would know exactly what the movie was about. Yeah. It would refresh my memory on all Refreshed. of the key points, mm-hmm. uh, notably Dana's hickey. Yeah. Which I only noticed this and last rewatching. <laughs> Robbie's um, idea of having the rope to yeah. fish Carol Ann out of the nether world. I think or what he, do you call he that? suggests. The spirit world. He's like, what if I die and then I go get Carol <laughs> <laughs> So it's not all full of good ideas. So I but... mean, you know, it was two thirds good. Two thirds yeah. good, except for the dead kid parts. <laughs> 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 but, you know, a- applause for, you know creativity and yeah yeah and so um i mean man what can we say about this film it's such a classic it is it's a family movie it's it a has a pg rating family movie well i mean back then i don't think they had did they not have pg-13 at that time um so i might have heard or read that pg 13 didn't come into play until 1984 this movie came out in 1982 Okay. Directed yeah. by Steven Spielberg. What Spielberg. I keep... Spielberg. Directed by Tony's, Steven Spielberg. Tony is Zad German right yeah. now. <laughs> Directed by <laughs> Steven Spielberg. And, um, I, you know, he he had Jaws and that was PG, That right? was another one that was controversial because that was PG. And I I thought that Jaws was one of the um, the movies that kind of precipitated the PG-13. The PG... Oh, okay, gotcha. The, yeah, the PG-13. I thought movie. you were going to say it precipitated the PG horror 
or you know thriller horror it, no because it it's kind of like pg or r and there yeah. wasn't that in between yeah and jaws was kind of one of those early blockbusters right so like star wars and jaws and um around that time these big summer hits were coming every year mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. steven spielberg was working on et and poltergeist at the same time et totally should have got an r rating in my opinion oh yes they killed a frog <laughs> What? Wait, did they kill a frog? I, I don't, don't know. know. I remember a bunch of frogs and <laughs> kids making out. No, and... they set the frogs free. They're like, go oh, be okay. free. And then the two kids made out because they're like emulating that scene in A Quiet Man. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. The way I remember it, they stomp on the frog and they, then they make stomp out. They stomp on the <laughs> <laughs> I don't So R rating for frog murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure some got some got crushed. There were quite a few, right? So yeah, and Poltergeist <laughs> PG for um, many skeletons, many real skeletons, um, many pool. ghostly happenings and image imagery, yeah, many ghostly images. Um, no one actually died, um, and the score is actually pretty lighthearted. So do 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 do. Yeah, it's almost yeah, like, the, a, like a music box. It kind of it kind of reminds me of um, more of an adventure film. Score. Really? Yeah, it's just kind um, of like happy and wistful. It's it's not synth. It's not cold. It's not ominous. I always thought it sounded like a like a little creepy music box. I guess yeah. I guess that could be creepy. I think those are creepy, especially when they're like playing and then they slow down. Do do do. Well, they so never do that. Usually, well, they don't, but if they should. If it was made today, I mean, you know, not talking about the remake, which I don't think I saw, but it just sounds terrible. So You're just saying that. Okay. <laughs> We're going to do a gut to gut with Poltergeist, this one, and then Poltergeist. Well, we should be doing it now if we're not. Well, we'll never do it then. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, if, you know, in, in the modern day haunted house horror film, it might have the little... And then a boom, and then like a big jump scare or something like that. Yeah, but you don't know, so no judging. That's true. I don't. Know. I, I like giving things the benefit of the doubt. You know, just because it's not the original doesn't mean it doesn't have some good qualities. Like well, Prom Night, the remake, <laughs> wasn't that good? Yeah, forget <laughs> about that one. Anyways, um, my point was that um, the score did seem overall lighthearted, yeah. and you have this family and you know family it has a has some very realistic aspects to them of what i would imagine a family in the early 80s moving into the suburbs and um they still kind of have that like uh they still they don't have like so much of a yuppie vibe to them they still have kind of like a blue collar vibe to me like I they like they just that, moved into the suburbs yeah that Joe Beth Williams and Craig T. Nelson were like the coolest parents. Like Why? Because they, they smoke weed? They are smoking pot in their <laughs> bed. Uh, they're laughing. <laughs> so if you're laughing, they liked you're each other. Laughing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. This, yeah. The stress didn't cause them to hate each other. It's not yeah. like an Amityville horror situation mm -mm. where. Yeah, where they kind it's of. It's like this. They shouldn't be a couple. Zero chemistry. Zero, right? Yeah, it's horrible. I remember watching that one. I was just like, oof. But Joe Beth. I know them by their first name. Joe Beth and Craig. Craig T. I feel like were, they had really good chemistry. I just really yeah, like that scene where they're in the bed. And after they do, you know, smoke a couple of their, their doobies. Um, 
he does like this Donald Duck voice and is like trying to like bite her or something. And she's laughing. She's like cackling very naturally. And she's like, oh, I love it when you talk dirty. And it's like, oh, that was kind of funny. It seemed like a real uh, giddy couple moment. Right. And then Robbie it made you ruins question, everything. Of course, the kid always <laughs> walks in when the parents are doing I'm things scared. they shouldn't be doing around the kids. But anyways. They're just having fun. They weren't. <laughs> yeah, smoking weed. Yeah. Oh, right. Like that kind of thing. I think you meant like talking like a duck. No, no, no. <laughs> I kind of want to talk about like how the movie opens up with all these suburban problems. This family, the Freelings, we are introduced to them and they live in the suburbs, which we yeah. know that they're in a California suburb. It's well, just we looked it up, supposed but... to be just like, well, I mean, you can kind of tell. I mean, I don't think I knew that. I mean, it's a, like anywhere USA. You could tell anywhere suburb. USA, and you could exactly. tell it's like a maybe like a newer suburb or it's something like that. A little like idyllic that. town. Yes, tract homes. Every house looks the same. Every house looks the same. There are station wagons in every driveway, so you see the aerial view, and um, everything just looks so you know placid and um, uniform, but still, but still pretty and nice and you're like oh i'll live there that sounds kind of nice kids riding their bikes in the streets and rolling hills and then there's that little like irresponsible biker with all his beer cans and it's like okay that's where i felt like i was taken out of it because i was thinking who is this guy why doesn't he have a station wagon to tote his 36 cans he was of drunk beer? he didn't want to drink a drive very so responsible yeah. very responsible, responsible. But the opening of the film definitely feels like a Steven Spielberg film. So, yeah. you know, directed by Toby Hooper, but written and produced by Steven Spielberg. It really feels like Steven Spielberg. It does. And there's even, you know, all there's this like talk about de- like... debate. Right. Who, who, who actually directed. Director? I don't know. But you can tell the creative control was that Steve, the Spielberg style. Yeah. Um, setting up the setting where it's like um, kind of coasting through the neighborhood and you get the guy on the bike you get some of the characters just doing silly yeah, things yeah just doing and... like regular american life things. yeah watching football watching football on drinking Sunday beer morning. riding bikes racing little r yeah kids cars. in the streets racing their little cars there's an ice cream man there is. There's an ice cream man. I think. I don't know. Probably. I feel like there would be. But yeah. it's Sunday. Maybe he has the day off. Yeah. He's probably at the football game party. Yeah. And then yeah. what's mom and then doing? Mom is just doing house chores, cleaning Robbie's room. Typical. She steps on his stupid roller skates, which we all know are death traps. <laughs> if you've seen Ghost Dad. I don't know if you've seen Ghost Dad, but... I haven't seen Ghost Dad, so That's how know. he dies and becomes Wow, you spoiled Dad. Ghost Dad? It's in the beginning. Like the we first didn't, five minutes. <laughs> we didn't there are... put a disclaimer for the spoiling <laughs> of Ghost Dad. So I apologize to well, everybody listening and watching. It's in the first five minutes, guys. And plus, I don't know how many people are going to be watching Ghost Dad. Man, what are you going to spoil next? I mean, it stars Bill Cosby, so... <clears throat> Uh, okay, so enough said. All right. Yeah, no one's going to be no going gonna out that. to watch Ghost Dad. Right. So I did you guys a favor. Oh, man. All right. Anyway, those roller skates, I remember those as being deadly. Uh, yeah, and then she sees Tweety's dead. And it's just like another one of those like suburban problems. Uh, the pet died on a Sunday, so I can't go out to the store tomorrow and just buy a doppelganger Tweety for little Carol Ann. Yeah, they're really 
hitting us over the head with the suburban lifestyle. Yeah, like all these like little like little probs. Some neighbor squabbles. Neighbor squabbles. The next door neighbor wants to watch Mr. Rogers, and they're connected to the same remote. Little remote wars. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Life in the suburbs, right? Yeah. The um. I think the next morning there's like a. The construction workers are just like hooting and hollering. and They're digging out a new pool. Yeah, they're digging a new pool. And they're just like freeloading on like the Freeling's coffee. See, at that point, it gets a little, uh, I don't know what the word is for that. But it's it's it gets a little goofy. Oh, too goofy? Yeah, because like, I don't know who what construction workers going to be like, oh, hey, Miss Freeling, you make great coffee. And then just like reach in her window, grabbing. She's also cooking a pot of spaghetti. In the, yeah, or like beans Like or 9 a.m. feels like the kids just, yeah. just gone off to school. Well, like that's her, her full-time job. Her full-time job that's is That's going to be some good spaghetti cleaning. marinating for no, like 12 hours. It's, she's marinating beans. Is it beans or spaghetti? I thought it was beans. I say, I thought it was a pot of marinara. I thought it was something, some sort of pot of mush. <laughs> It looked tomato-y, so maybe... I mean, to well, whatever, it's going to be some really good chili beans. Yeah, chili beans, spaghetti, and uh, staples of the 80s, you know, staples cuisine. Of, yeah, speaking of which, um, in that Spielberg style, the the product placement, the um, all these, like, nostalgic little tokens that are everywhere. The, the film is just littered with um, little references to Star Wars. Yeah. Um, they're fans of the LA Rams. You see like Super Bowl posters. Oh yeah. And... Isn't like the dog, the dog's name is E-Boz. Sounds what very... is E-Boz? I don't know. It sounds is like that a Star sport Wars name. Thing? I don't know if there's any <laughs> reference to that, but um, I saw like the E-Boz. board board game Clue, a bunch of old toys. Oh, like, yeah. You know, just like in E.T. where um, it... Yeah, like the Reese's. The Reese's, Reese's. and the... Um, what's that other? Is it Light Bright or something like that? I One of those... They're not shy about the product placements, but it, but that it kind of adds to that nostalgic value. It does, yeah. Even the furniture, even like the style of the home, it wasn't new by the time we could probably remember things, but I still kind of remember things looking like that. I remember having brown carpet. I was like, oh, gross. And those chairs, those sort of just like <laughs> rounded over, really yeah. like basic wood And actually chairs. that that lamp, that kind of like chandelier, not chandelier, but it's like a... I don't know, geometric enclosed chandelier yeah. that hangs from the ceiling in the living room. My family's house actually had one of those. And so when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's my living room. Yeah. And this came out in 82. So we, neither of us were born yeah. then, well, but it's still kind of years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you don't remember in 1984 when you were born. Yes, I do. <laughs> if anything, you know, that's that kind of style carried over. Into well, the yeah, 90s. you're not going to like rip out your lamp every two years. So Hey, these days. If those lamps were new in 82, then I'm sure they kept it for at least 10 years. Yeah. I did notice that that house, they just had a lot of stuff. Yeah. The kids had a lot of toys. They they had the they had I mean, decorations like everywhere. The, the whoever, house was full of stuff. Whoever was the set designer did a great job because my room was crammed with crap. Just like toys in every corner. Just kind of a messy just kid mess. room, and the family's houses like kind of put together. I wouldn't say it was messy, but they did have a lot of stuff. It was just one yeah, of the things I, I feel like that's you know felt very realistic. Like when you look at the the parents' bedroom, they have like stuff like propped up against the wall on the floor. Yeah, and I feel like that's like some detail that you don't 
see in movies very often. Usually the, the houses look very like well put together unless they're trying to show a messy family. But this is just a regular family. It's like a sort of nostalgia for that suburban lifestyle or yeah. even though I I didn't I don't think I necessarily really lived that lifestyle when I was mm. growing up, but that was my experience through watching TV. Mm, right. So like when I would watch something like Full House or Family Matters yeah. or, um, you know, any of those like sitcoms. This is like the American suburban yeah. life. And you're like, wait, where, where's the horror going to come? Yeah, this, this is a family movie. I do remember like watching this with my family. Yeah. Like for the first time, it wasn't one of those that I had to sneak away and watch Poltergeist. I think my mom turned it on and was like, this is a good movie. <laughs> Which is funny because... My mom does not like horror movies, but I think this one was sneaky. It just kind of snuck in there. It's like, oh, that's this really cool family. Well, if it's it's a well, I mean, if it came out the same time as E.T. Yeah, and Steven Spielberg's name is attached in some way. It's a summer blockbuster. Yeah, and I mean, his name was also attached to Jaws and that was very much a horror movie but again I feel like even Jaws was like a family horror movie yeah there are these different types of horror thrillers that were definitely of that era yeah and I don't know if those necessarily exist maybe they're like kid movies they would be considered kid movies Jaws I guess I should rephrase could you think of a movie in this day and age that has that same sort of feel as a Jaws or a Poltergeist where it appeals to like a very wide audience, but still could maybe be a horror movie. I would say maybe like the mummy, the mummy. <laughs> okay. Actually, that's a good example because I watched that with my family as well. And it does have some very scary elements. Like when the mummy like sucks out the life of those people and they turn into like dried up, mummies <laughs> that's a good example there aren't many like that though because i do feel like either it goes into the camp of it's a kid horror movie like you know adam's family monster cartoon, house monster oh yeah house. adam's family yeah i don't know why i said monster house well no <laughs> i have I think no that, idea why i said monster fits. House. It's, a, it's a kid cartoon with a monster but house. adam's family is such a better uh, example of something that's like <laughs> it's like s- spooky or dealing with some it's got the macabre but it's definitely for the families you know, yeah it's, it's cut and dry yeah. yeah yeah um nightmare before christmas it's for kids even though i was not allowed to see it when i was in fifth grade the nightmare before christmas yeah. why because my mom thought that the three little lock shock and barrel were too scary <laughs> and rude she did not like rude characters. Well, <laughs> that's good parenting. It was. She, yeah. she did eventually cave and let me see it. <laughs> I think I was allowed to see Jaws before I could see Nightmare Before Christmas. Maybe you were just taken along to see Jaws because your parents wanted to see Jaws. Well, no, that came out in like 75. I wasn't born. That was another one where oh. my, my parents were like, this is a good movie. Everyone watch it. <laughs> Jaws like biting Quentin in half. So yeah, if it's a new movie that might be potentially scary, then kids should not be allowed to watch it. But if it's a good movie that you've seen and you approve of, you want your kid to know this movie from a young age, yeah, like Child's Play. No. <laughs> <laughs> Even though there's like a whole camp of Child's Play kid fans right now. It's funny. 
that was the one that I was like, I will not watch Child's Play. It's too scary. Anyway, digressing, <laughs> digressing. Let's. I want to get on to this topic. My favorite, Heather O'Rourke. Super cute, cutest. Yes, love her. Agreed. <laughs> I just every time I watch it, I like I giggle at that scene where Tweety's dead, and she they put Tweety in obviously like mom and dad's drug box and she says Tweety doesn't like that smell and at first I was thinking oh why is it cigars and then later they're like smoking pot and I was like oh maybe it's the the marijuana (laughs) Tweety doesn't like marijuana mom (laughs) yeah but the kids don't know what that is I know but it's just like a Tweety doesn't like the little skunk smell and she like puts all these little things little tokens little treats for Tweety for the afterlife and she's like a half chewed red vine (laughs) <laughs> for when he's hungry and a little picture of her and robbie and the dog no dana doesn't care about dana <laughs> there's some questions about dana that we'll have to talk about later yeah and then a napkin for the a napkin yeah that's the blanket for when he's cold and she's like all crying <laughs> so cute yeah, she couldn't fit a blanket in there so she no. had to do yeah. what was best little, little napkin such like little kid thoughts too she, I mean, she is the um, face of this movie. She is the most recognizable character yeah. in the franchise. If you haven't even seen Poltergeist and you think about the movie, and you're like, you probably know what this little girl looks like. She, shocking blonde hair, blunt cut bangs, and just like, like startling blue eyes. Straight cut yeah. bangs. Good job, Joe Beth. Whoever, whatever bowl went on her head to cut yeah. those bangs, man. Because you know, mom cut those. Was tight. But she did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, so just these crazy blue eyes. Yeah. A little, little kid. And then they're like, she does a little prayer for Tweety. And then she just immediately lights up. Can I get a goldfish now? So cute. Ugh. <laughs> you know there aren't it's really hard i think to have a cute kid in a movie that is in the movie so much often if a kid is like carrying the movie and they're that young you're like oh get this kid out of here this kid's annoying me but yeah she's i mean i guess ooh, they're pretty sneaky in the way that they get around having her in the movie the whole time they use just her voice for most of the movie right She's really just in the beginning, and then she's stolen. Yeah, she gets kidnapped she gets by some kidnapped ghosts. kidnapped by some ghosts. And then it's just her, her little haunting voice over the TV. And at least, Mommy. yeah, at least does a really good impression of this. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of sounded like a Wally impression. <laughs> Wally! <laughs> it's just so... Mommy. <laughs> so sad or when she's talking to the tv that's a pretty good moment too oh yeah where she's like mm-hmm five yes no i yes. don't know i don't know <laughs> so cute uh but at the same time she can be really haunting like that scene when um the earthquake ha- or the earthquake happens yeah and she's just standing at the foot of the bed, staring at the hole, staring at her family. I'm like, oh, that kid's creepy. What's she looking at? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that it is um, her inherent innocence that makes her creepy? Like if you, it's like a juxtaposition of mm-hmm. a kid who is innocent. Like if, if it was uh, Robbie, 
people would be like, yeah, Robbie, get, yeah, go ahead. Stay in the closet over there. <laughs> we'll we'll get you later, maybe on your 16th birthday. I mean, I'm going to talk about Robbie later. I like Robbie a lot. Robbie's a good character. He's, He's a, a good character. Kid. He's funny. He's got a lot of depth and he has his moment, his rage moment at the end. We'll talk about that. Um, but but do you think that uh, yeah it's a combination of like her sort of like innocence and um, that makes it seem so creepy when she's talking to the other spirits on the other side kind of because she's just like this blank slate you know Mm -hmm. and she's so pure she almost looks like um, like a fake human being yeah like a little doll yeah she looks like a doll she looks like um, she has a very unique look to her, so it's almost like she's not real. I know. You just want to... She looks like a little ghost kid. A little go- an adorable ghost kid. <laughs> so cute. And, like, that line that she has when she's in the... T- with the TV people, and they're trying to talk to her, and she's like, Mommy, there's somebody here. And you're just like, oh, Who's there? <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, the the panicked voice it gets more and more panicked, and she's just like, "Mommy, mommy, is that you?" And she's like, "No, baby, it's not me. Run, run as fast as you can." Did oh. did um this movie scare you as a kid? Yeah, it did. And definitely. What was there, it about it that scared you? There are some moments that I thought were so terrifying, like um, the bedroom scene at the end, when the when the goat when you see the when you see the beast the beast yeah yeah. That was terrifying. Um, I did think that that tree moment was terrifying where the tree crashes through the window. And especially when Robbie's counting is kind of scary because you know what's going to happen. They just talked about the counting the night before and as a way to make Robbie feel better. But in the same token, it made Robbie feel worse because the counting was becoming less and less. What about... One, one, uh, two, one, that's so scary. Yeah. What about um, staring into a TV? No. That didn't scare you? No. The idea of the static, that never scared you? That wasn't something that was frightening to you? I don't know. Did it scare you? That terrified me. Actually, the idea of looking into mirrors or looking into something, um, a reflection, or um, if you look out a window into like a dark um, hallway or something like Mm -hmm. that. And I think the looking into the TV kind of plays on a lot of those fears because... um, that static, and I think you mentioned this, uh, but back in the day before there was the 24-hour cycle on cable, the cable station, when it would go out of service, would play the national anthem mm-hmm. and then um, just be an empty signal, and the empty signal is that static. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in that nothingness or the static, it's, it's uh, I don't know, There's you might hear something, you might see something. Yeah. Is it your eyes playing tricks on you? And they kind of talk about it in the movie too, where they're like the absence of signal is um, picking up. Opens up like a gateway. It's like picking up uh, other signals because there's no signal for um, that's coming through on that cable channel. It's picking up things from outer space, inner space, Mm -hmm. other dimensions, ghosts. I think they they even start simpler. They're like, okay, it could be, you know, a a car starting or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just other frequencies around the neighborhood. But reaches as far as something like outer space. Inner space. space. Inner yeah. space. These are things that are um, a big part of the unknown for people. And yeah. those things tend to scare people, especially little kids. Like if you see a dark 
closet that scares a kid because you don't know what's inside that closet mm-hmm. or under the bed under the bed yeah yeah like at at the end i think robbie's big moment with the clown where he looks under the bed and you're just like don't look under the bed <laughs> i never wanted to look under my bed when i was little and and yeah i don't they shouldn't make an under the bed for kids it should just be a block of wood <laughs> Because that's the scariest Just put a mattress thing. on the floor. Just put a mattress and a box spring yeah, straight on the floor. The they don't, they should not have it under the bed because I would be afraid to go to the bathroom. What about the closet? No closet in the room. This kid will have, Board it up. have They're going to have a rack. Or just a room, just like a pantry. A pantry? You're going to yeah. lock the kid in a pantry? <laughs> yeah, that's will. worse. <laughs> it's more terrifying. <laughs> well, they're going to be in a room with no windows, no, gonna, no closet. My kid's going to have an open field. Floor. Open field? No. What if the kid's agoraphobic? Okay. Well, the kid's got to be okay with something. Um, my memories of Poltergeist are, are like actually from the sequels, but I didn't know that. And like maybe it's because the sequels came out later in the 80s or early 90s. Because so you mentioned I... the, the being afraid of mirrors. And I remember being afraid of mirrors too. And I think that comes that from comes... the third one, right? Yeah. Either. Yeah, I think you're Either right. Two I or think three. It, is, it is number three, where they're in like a giant office building or something. And I think I saw that as a young kid, and um, that paired with Carol Ann. Carol Ann? Yeah. Yeah, that paired with Carol Ann um, because, I don't know, she, yeah, she has that presence about her where she's like a cute little kid, but when she's just staring at the TV screen or into the mirror, um, she almost looks like, I don't know, it's... She, like she like is she's, the static. She's part of it. She looks a little too like doll-like or something. A little too village. And of dolls the are also something that scares a lot of kids. Well, and then there was that movie Village of the Damned where it had the very stark blonde kids with blue eyes. Right. And they killed you. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline was like the good version of the, that village. But still, you never know. Like where'd she come from? <laughs> Joe Beth was not blonde. Neither of them were blonde. Yeah. Neither of them were blonde. And uh, I guess Joe Beth had Dana when she was 16. Well, High we put that sweethearts. together. There's, yeah. yeah, that's actually... Okay, so watching this movie, if you watch it and you're only maybe like seeing parts of it um, on TV or some... Well, I, I don't know if anyone really sees parts of things on TV anymore. Um, but if you're watching it you distracted... Do if you have Shudder and you watch... The three channels. Well, I'm just thinking about how I've experienced so many horror movies where, um, especially like when I was a teenager and I would just flip through something that was on the sci-fi channel Mm. or like on TNT or something and I would watch like 10 minutes of it and I'd be like, oh yeah, I've seen Seen it. Yeah, I've seen Poltergeist. I saw that one. Yeah, I've seen that five minute scene. (laughs) Um, But then later coming back to it, just it is why it's good to, even these movies that I think that I know well, it's good to come back to it. Because it is so rich with little details and little things. The script is really funny. There are so many little nuggets. There's little jokes. <laughs> There's a lot of just these interactions with um, the family members and um, the little girl. And Okay, so I, I wrote a couple down of the, the little jokes that are just like throwaway jokes. So like many, inserted yeah, here and there. There's jokes. that scene um, where... Kind of towards the beginning where Carol Ann's in the kitchen watching the TV, the smaller TV, and she's just watching static and she's this far away from it. 
And Diane says, you're going to ruin your eyes. It's not good for you. And she turns the fuzz to like a violent war movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she still doesn't back up. She's like, hmm. <laughs> I do remember that, though, um, as a kid. Wanting to sit really close yeah. to the TV and parents are always like, saying you're going to ruin your eyes. Yeah, that was definitely a thing. And did it happen? Maybe for me. Not well, for I, it can, can ruin your eyes more than now looking at a phone like 12 hours out of the day. Yeah. Tony looks at his phone more than I do and he has perfect vision. I got glasses. You just proved me wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, proved me right. No. What? I can't remember which way you proved me. I but proved, proved something. I proved that nothing is real. Don't listen to your parents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the moral of the story of Poltergeist. Yeah, don't, don't listen, listen to, to your parents. parents. They're Sit high. Very close to your TV. They imagined everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can go in the TV. Go explore with the ghosts. The TV and stuff. people. They weren't all that bad. And honestly, I feel like it was just one bad apple inside the TV. You know, it was the beast. Everyone else is just kind of They're like, just they didn't even go. know they were dead. They're wearing their hats. They're all dressed up. Yeah. Going somewhere. They have their, their watches and their suitcases for some I'm reason. I'm wondering if that's because those were the clothes they were buried in. They were burying their nice clothes. So oh, they have these yeah. like, nice little... They got their hats on. Nice little I swear watch. some of them had suitcases. And I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> going <laughs> what did you heaven. pack? How did you pack that with you? <laughs> you don't, you're not going to bring a suitcase with you to heaven? I didn't think it was allowed. <laughs> i don't know it's like a bring one suitcase for the rest of your afterlife yeah hmm. well cool good to know yeah what would you put in the suitcase would you put poltergeist DVD? this guy this po- guy old yes. clown buddy <laughs> well okay to to be said about that um with these cool parents mm-hmm. that are probably stoned out of their mind and thought it would be a good idea to uh buy this give robbie this the most frightening clown doll child possible. size it's like the size of robbie he's so terrified <laughs> that he can't say anything to his parents to like get rid of it or it no scares me, because it away. the parents are probably like this was family heirloom this is a family heirloom we used your inheritance to buy this clown. <laughs> well and what about this clown that's right here for those who are listening there is a glass clown um if you're watching on youtube then you will be able to see the clown in its full glory but if you're this... listening there is a very creepy looking no, glass. It's adorable. Clown. It's sweet. Look well, it. we both love clowns. I'm just I just use the word creepy because I think most it's people think that clowns consensus. are creepy. Most people think they're creepy. I, however, love clowns. Why do you love clowns? Because they're so misunderstood. Uh they're they like can, tragic they, figures. They're tragic. They can say volumes with their face and not have to say a single word. Some of them. Others, I guess, talk, whatever. I like yeah. the ones that don't talk. And they pull pranks on kids and borderline beat them. Yeah, but they have a lot of feelings. What do you mean beat them? I'm, I'm more thinking of like <laughs> homie, homie, the clown? Yeah, homie from In oh, Living Color. Oh my goodness, that is, that is one One of my clown. favorite clowns that just beat the kids. But taught them a to, valuable lesson yeah, at the same time. I used to want to be a clown. That was my... You were a clown. I, w- I had a clowning class. I took a course in college, everyone. <laughs> where I had a clown persona. It was Das Clown. And she was very um, competitive and had high standards. And she was no nonsense and did not laugh. It was not very fun. 
Wow, this clown is, <laughs> sounds frightening. Uh, yeah, Das Clown lasted for about four months, and that's that's about it. But das Clown lives. Her memory on lives on, and she's a part of me still. Well, how much so. of the Poltergeist Clown influenced Das Clown? Uh, not very much, because that one was really smiley. I mean, Das Clown right out the gate, she let you know that she was not having it. She's not a fun clown. Yeah. You are not going to have fun with Das Clown. <laughs> so it's, the kid just right off the bat is going to run away. <laughs> yes. The kid's not even going to... Hey, as long as as long as long Das Clown gets paid, she doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Pay up front. If you're terrified, that's your bad. It's on See, you. all these horror movies really ruined the clown industry for children's parties. And me. It ruined my first career choice. I could be a very successful clowner today. <laughs> but I'm not. um i also love that we poltergeist is essentially a haunted house film or a ghost film yeah we haven't done one of those but it has a heavy clown presence it does and a lot of people remember the clown scene because the clown is scary he is scary it's gonna choke out the but he the clown only really is there in two scenes once in the beginning to like foreshadow what's to come and then at the end and then the clown's face distorts into like this really gross almost burnt looking grotesque smile but yeah we're playing on the fears of children you have the the storm and the lightning with the scary tree scary tree trees are scary you they have the cast clown. all these shadows. Yeah. Um, you have the meat that's sliding on the counter. That was one of my biggest fears as a kid. That scene, actually, <laughs> sliding <laughs> meat. Yeah. The steak is sliding towards me. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Okay. So you're joking. But that scene, actually, now that you mention it, that one scared me the most because... That slab of steak is on the counter, and then it just like bursts open in this kind of like spills out this alien like way, right? It spills out all these maggots and and gunk and junk. It looks like you almost ate that, yeah. Gross, it looks like it's it's like spilling out its own entrails, guts. yeah. Yeah, it was disgusting. I was so scared, and then he runs into the bathroom and his face melts off. Um, that effect really scared me. Even yeah. though watching it now, you're like, oh, it's a fake head, obvious. <laughs> still, even though you know it like looks like an obvious fake head, just watching that almost paper mache looking thing rip off chunks of its skin is really creepy still. Yeah. So for kids, there's plenty here to be scared of. Yeah. A, we we're talking about how it has a PG rating PG. as opposed to an R rating. But it's going to creep you out. It's going to creep you out. As an adult, is it still creepy? I think it is still creepy. Um, I kind of thought that the um, the first part of the movie um, was more like setting up this sort of like is almost like a yeah like you're saying a family movie, mm-hmm. um, really just kind of showing that suburban life and the the family members and all that. And then there's the the like um, that when when they bring the paranormal investigators in to show them the the haunting um to me that's almost kind of like silly yeah oh, that yeah. scene where they open the closet and all of the toys are floating because around was it ryan's like i once recorded this toy car that went across the floor over the course of seven hours <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, like unrecognizable to the human eye, but I got it. <laughs> they open up the door. And there's like a little Hulk riding a yeah. horse and a, like, a, um, a, what do you call it? A compass. A whirly gig or something. Plays a record. Yeah. And it's like that to me is, is sort of like a like a Disneyland, like haunted mansion yeah. kind of kind of thing, kind of gag. Mm-hmm. Then you have like the the next part of the movie, um, which features Tangina, and it goes from like the the kind of like, you know, funny science scientist. I don't know that part was kind of silly with Tangina. Then it gets a little more serious, and then she's like, "All right, it's done," and then everyone's happy, and you know, let's go back to our lives. Let's move out. And then after that, that's the part that's actually creepy to when me. you think the house is clean and it's not well i think one of the better yeah exactly because yeah you think everything's good and, it, and mm-hmm. then the house actually it's like still going it's just kind of subsided just yeah. momentarily but for me um one of the creepier scenes is when um joe beth or miss freeling wait what's her name diane diane when diane is um crawling through the mud in the pool mm-hmm. and all the bodies are starting to pop yeah. up and yeah knowing that those were real skeletons and that add to it um a little bit but i didn't know they were real though until i was like an adult there was something about um mud and it's almost like if you're in this mud pit and you're trying to claw your way out there's something very nightmarish about that yeah it's like you're in a dream and you can't you can't move it's like when your legs feel like they you're trying to run you're as sinking, fast as you can. You're incapacitated. Yeah. And I think also um, it's it's like the earth swallowing you up. You can almost um, feel, I feel like that's a very tangible thought or image where you can kind of like feel the squishiness of the mud and the texture of that mm-hmm. mud just watching it. Um, and it's so dirty and it's... And you can feel her panic and her desperation in every little scene that happens in that, that final act. And it's all the mom. She's desperately trying to get to her kids. Um, she's the one that comes face to face with the beast. Um, she, yeah, where's dad at? He's outside screaming at Mr. Teague all hysterically. <laughs> Which, okay, side note, I love that part. It makes me laugh every time when he grabs Mr. Teague and he's like, you only moved the headstones. You left the bodies. Why? Why? <laughs> he's screaming at the top of his lungs. It's so funny. That's my favorite part. Um, anyway, so he's out there having a fit. Meanwhile, mom is running around in her nightgown, her nightshirt and undies. And she has that moment where she gets to the top of the staircase again, finally. And they do that vertigo effect where they elongate the hallway. She's just like, I'm never going to get there. But then she gets one last gust of energy and runs, flings open the door. And her two kids are about to get swallowed by this giant esophagus in the closet. Scary. Did, to me, it looked kind of like like a birth canal. There's yeah. A, there's all this imagery there of like a lot birthing. Of birth imagery. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with like she's tied to like the rope, like an umbilical cord. And then she gets Carol Ann and the two of them come through the canal covered in membrane yeah. stuff. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Like they're reborn. Like they had to die or they had to go into the afterlife in order to be reborn or if you go into the afterlife your only way back out is to go through a 
rebirthing process. And she does have that little moment at the end by the moving truck where she's talking to Steven and he asks how she feels. She's like, you know, honestly, I feel great. I feel really good. I feel a little hungover, a little sleepy, but like, I feel really good. And I wonder if that was like, she almost has a renewed self because she went through that, that passage. Yeah. And she had to be reborn with her daughter. <laughs> but I think what, like, a, one of the things, you know, we're talking about, like, um, what scared you as a kid, what scares you as an adult. But one of the things that makes this movie such a classic and so effective is the practical effects. Like, they're pretty amazing. Yeah. We watched a little featurette on that scene in the kitchen towards the beginning where all the chairs are pulled out from the table and... And Diane's like, ah, oh, did you pull out these chairs? I told you to push in your chairs, Carol Ann. And she's just sitting on the counter like, mm-mm, I didn't do it. <laughs> and the mom turns around for four seconds and turns back around and all the chairs are stacked on the table. She's like, <gasps> yeah. How'd you know that was four seconds? What do you mean? Four seconds? That's a that's like a very specific number. I don't know. It's a number. Like she, <laughs> she like looks. It's all one she, shot. She turns away. One, two, get the something. Three, four. Ah! <laughs> yeah, it's four seconds. I was seconds. like, wow, are you counting? <laughs> yeah. One, two, three, four. It's, it was four seconds. Four seconds. Yeah, that's pretty good. I stand guess. by that. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the future, right, they're like, yeah, so we had like five people in the wings and some people down below that like quickly in that four second period, like took away the four chairs that were standalones and put this sculpture of chairs that they had just like, you know, glued together or something and placed it on top of the table. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I think watching it, you could probably think like all right when they pan away then somebody's moving the stuff and mm-hmm. rearranging it but yeah you don't realize that like oh they they're all glued together it's all, yeah it's all one yeah, solid unit which makes structure. sense practically it does yeah but still it's that that kind of movie magic where you're just like oh how they do that yeah and you know it's the, the era before good cgi right so this film um used all practical effects they didn't well they had some sort of like they almost look like a like like Disney effects where, yeah. when the ghost can't, comes out of yeah. the arm comes Bing. out of the TV. Yeah, it's very Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, so there are some like some aspects of it that do feel like Haunted Mansion mm-hmm. to me, um, but the effects were like really quite amazing. Uh, especially um, there's the scene where the mom is um, she's getting attacked by the spirit. It's like kind of after she's taken the bath, like kind of near the end of the film. That she's, part, I'll she's rolling yeah. around and it's like pulling her up the wall and uh, dragging her across the ceiling. And, um, you know, we've seen this effect before in other movies. It, it's the rotating room effect, mm-hmm. but it's like so cool to, to, to actually see stuff like that happen practically. Yeah. Um, and then later, like, you know, if you happen to see like a making of the film or behind the scenes film, you realize that like they have to build this entire set and put it on this giant machine that rotates and they strap the cameraman and the camera into a, a one position. That seems really fun. I want to I want to go into a rotating living room one day. I think that that should be the next axe throwing or, you know, 
breaking room. You know how they have like those break rooms where you just like smash smash rooms. Yeah. Where they smash things. There's a smash room. They have. They, it used to be like it's like a flash in the pan, I think, but they have those rooms where you can go in wearing like a hazmat suit and just smash stuff. And you just smash like a whole kitchen. Anyway, <laughs> that I think was popular for a month. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder why that one died. <laughs> And I know. So like, the oh, next big, waste. the next big thing is the rotating room. The where rotating you, room where you get to pretend like you're possessed. You're in a room and then they just shake it violently and you're you're like can't figure out which way's up, which way's down. I don't want it to down. be shook violently. Well, she wasn't like it was walking. rotating. I think she okay. I think that was different though. I think when she was undulating on the bed, I think that was a different effect than the rotating room. I think that was like she was probably on some sort of like lever or something yeah. that was like jerking her around. That actually looked like a backbreaker. That did not look fun. That looked like straight out of the exorcist. Yeah. And I didn't appreciate the crotch shot for her. Why? Because it was unnecessary. It was a gratuitous <laughs> crotch shot. In a PG movie. Yeah. I was like, we don't need to see Joe Beth's panty crotch. Ugh. I'm sure she didn't like it either. She kept trying to pull her shirt down. I'm like, who are you shielding You think that this? was an ad lib? They're like, think... no, let it fly up. She's like, no, <laughs> She's like, I'm pulling it down. I don't like this. <laughs> this is a PG movie. I know. She's like, oh, I have fake kids. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, without the undulating bed effect, I would like to be in a rotating room where I could pretend like I'm being dragged across by a ghost or Freddy. Well, I just want to be in the Jamiroquai music video where I'm just kind of like gliding Sliding across the around. room. The furniture is all fixed, and but the floor is moving, and I can just kind of glide around. So you want the cool, the cool video? Yeah. Or um, uh, another good idea for the rooms that change. We you, we can be inside of the imploding house room. And inside the imploding house. Yeah. That where means you get everything's squished. Just like, oh! <laughs> and at the end, then you're like, all right, that was great. No, but if you're in the imploding house, then you get imploded. Whatever. I was just trying to tie it back to the uh, to the effects. Back to of the, the movie. Okay, so the imploding house effect was cool. <laughs> <laughs> so there's our point there. The impl- imploding house effect was cool. They had yeah. a model of the house, and then they attached it to an industrial sized um, like vacuum, vacuum, and then they sucked it through a straw. They, yeah, they sucked it through a tube, shot it one yeah. take, got it, and they blasted it Someone with shotguns. Someone said they for blasted it with shotguns. That seems like overkill. This is what happens when you get your information from IMDb YouTube. <laughs> oh, okay. and or a YouTube video, <laughs> is that um, you know these little mythologies about the film yeah, may or may happen. not be true. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we all know the biggest mythology of this film is that it is a cursed film. Oh, yeah. And I had actually heard about that before I'd seen the film. And I think that's one of the things that um, kind of creeped me out about the film is it's almost like a movie like The Exorcist where uh, it's not so much the film itself, but you hear things around the film. Like I had heard... Before I saw the film, and I think this was probably like when I was a, a kid or maybe a teenager, that the film was cursed and that all of the actors and people involved in the production died 
or had mysterious all of them? De- well yeah when you someone told you that yes. all of them <laughs> they're all dead when you're younger these they were things, inside the imploding house <laughs> yeah you get false information but you believe it so like with with uh the exorcist i um was told that there were a group of nuns in, who saw the movie at the Vat- in the vatican or something like that they watched started, the exorcist in the vatican or whatever you know the group <laughs> of nuns showing, go guys. and watch the exorcist <laughs> and start projectile vomiting and you know you hear these stories that, but you believe them when you're a kid yeah. and so you're sort of like it adds to the creepy factor <laughs> and uh it makes you like hesitant about- to watch it can you imagine if someone's like, we're going to have a movie night? <laughs> movie night at the Vatican. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to watch The, the Exorcist. Exorcist. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um. Yes. The, the curse. I don't remember being afraid of the curse or hearing much about the curse as a kid. I do remember my mom telling me about um, the actress who plays Dana, Dominique Dunn, and how she was killed in her driveway tragically just like a month before the movie started or um premiered premiered yeah and that really scared me um not like the curse of anything or anything like you know mystical but i think just like the horror of real life events yeah to someone that you just watched on screen and i think that was to me more terrifying did you did you know that um the young girl heather o'rourke i did know that she had an illness and that she died but was that more sad or was that that was sad terrifying that i think that made me really sad as a kid um but hearing about um dominique dunn's death i think that really scared me and i honestly because i heard that um, she had died in her dri- or she had been attacked in her driveway, and that was terrifying to know that you could be in your driveway like, out in the open. Hmm. And because I always lived around neighbors and like on a cul-de-sac, and so I just thought, how could no one see this happening? Um, and so it just it scared me in a different way in like the horrors of reality. But, yeah, not because of the curse, though. I didn't really think it was part of the curse. Yeah. So you're not afraid of the curse? No, not afraid of the curse. I, I guess maybe I was people. more of a gullible kid. Because yeah. I'm, now I'm thinking, like, well, Steven, Stil- Steven Spielberg is still around. Yeah. <laughs> he he made it. And the dad <laughs> went on to, to do uh, Coach. Coach. I loved Coach. I, I used, to, I used Coach. to love that. I can't tell you any particular episode, but I do remember liking the show. And I just feel like what a great show that they summed up everything in the title. He's a coach. (laughs) 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 That's what it's about. I have to say, um, I thought the acting was really, really good from everyone. Well, these actors at the time, they were not Rel- they relatively unknown they weren't like superstars right yeah until he did coach mm-hmm. then coach blew him off the map yeah and the the main parapsychologist i recognize her from network uh she i Tangina? think 
No, no. The um, <laughs> that's that's Zelda Rubenstein, um, the actress who played. Oh gosh, I got it. Doctor Lesh, Beatrice Strait. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like the main parapsychologist that has like the little flask of booze to calm her nerves. Yeah, uh, she does a great job, and I remember her as like being. The person who has won an Academy Award with the shortest amount of screen time. I think she was in network for like six minutes. Wow. And she won Supporting Actress that year. And I I watched it. I was like, oh, man, she packs a lot into six minutes. I think it's six minutes. So you would have voted for her to win? I mean, I think network came out before I was born. but... But you said you watched the scene. Would you have voted for it to win? Yeah. I don't know who she was up against. I can't remember who she was up against. But... Well, I would have voted for Tangina. Okay. Tangina's <laughs> not a real person. <laughs> Zelda Rubenstein is. But her role was amazing. She okay. came in, handled her she business. did. She was sassy. No nonsense. And she had all these great one-liners. And whenever she delivered them, the camera just like zoomed in on her face like she was <laughs> Bruce Willis <laughs> something but her character comes in and um immediately like has a plan and then saves the girl all in one go right yeah, that's and, just all the same day and she comes in towards the end of the movie i didn't realize how little she was in the movie because she does pack a punch yeah and i think she's um in the sequel so maybe she that's is in the sequel probably why she sticks out more in your memory yeah okay so i, I have some quotables from zelda okay let's Tangina, hear these quotables where she's explaining about um what is in that little that little in between area between death and the the great beyond and she's like and there's also there's um a beast in there and then anyway she like calms down and the camera zooms in and she's like now let's go get your daughter i was like oh (laughs) (laughs) and there's a part where she goes now clear your minds it knows what scares you and i was like ooh. It does. I always thought that was hard when someone in a movie would be like, it can read your mind. You got to clear it. But how do you do that? Your mind is like <laughs> racing a mile a minute. How do you clear your mind? Maybe if you think about one thing over and over again. Yeah. Like think about the word clear. How about that? Clear. 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 Clowns. Or if Clowns. you're like, you have like a, a tune in Clowns. your head. Clowns. <laughs> yeah because i i always thought like well if you tell me not to think about what scares me i'm gonna think about what scares me i'm gonna think about spider on my pillow not spiders just spider one spider (laughs) on my pillow (laughs) um i love the scene between her and and joe beth when they're in the bedroom about to go into the closet and and tangina has the rope tied around her and um the mom's like what are you doing she's like i'm going in after her mom's like no let me go she'll never come to you and then tangina's like you've never done this before mom's like neither of you and she's like you're right you go (laughs) (laughs) i love that she's like i'm not getting paid enough to go in there she's like huh good point all right you take the rope. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what her rates are. I would yeah. like to hire her. You just, want to hire her to clean just your to house? Do a, just a general a light cleaning. cleaning. Yeah, just, like Just cleaning. do the windows. <laughs> There's a, any like ghost animals or... Well, ghost webs. 
ghosts, whatever. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like a tiny ghost. What if it's a nice ghost, though? You know, most like of them... Like a Casper situation? Ugh, Casper's annoying. Well, Casper did turn into Devin Sawa, so... So Casper's hot. Casper's hot. <laughs> Casper also has no features. I and... will say, I did not appreciate in Casper, the live-action version, that Casper was made to be like, mm. <laughs> look at this eye candy. <laughs> well, what do you think the beast looks like when he gets cleaned up? He's going to look good. Mm, he's going to look good. Willem Dafoe. Actually, yeah. I would enjoy that more than Devin Sawa. Uh, that, maybe that's why Tangina wanted to go in there. Tangina's like, like mm, Willem's in there. I'm in. And then Joe Beth's like, well, my do- it's my kid. She's like, all right, fine. I don't think you're selling our audience on the fact that she's going to go in there chasing after <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Um, for those listening or watching, Elise has mean? an unrealistic appreciation of Willem Dafoe. What do you mean unrealistic appreciation? <laughs> what does that mean? Most people don't find him to be the hottie. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I don't think know. you're Maybe wrong. People, okay. I think there are I a lot of people yeah. who find Willem uniquely attractive. Yeah. He's striking. Striking, yeah. His cheekbones, his his bite radius, striking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then of course there's the iconic "This house is clean." I okay. Is that iconic? I don't. I don't know. This what... house is clean. That yeah. is so iconic. This house is clean. The only thing that I thought was iconic about this film was the, they're here. Yeah, but but Tangina's This House is Clean, it was parodied in The Mask, Was it? The Mask? Some Jim Carrey movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, he says, this, uh, maybe Ace Ventura. I think he says, do not go in there. Woo! Okay, yeah. <laughs> he had many a line in that movie. <laughs> Too many lines in that movie. But one of them, at the very end, I think when he like solves the case, he goes, this house is clean. Oh, anyway, okay. He's imitating Tangina. Well, I mean, you would know better about iconic movie moments rather than me. Would I? I think you would. Oh. Just like I have a, a wealth of unnecessary information. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> At all times. Yeah. Um But okay, when she delivers that line, the Ryan, one of the parapsychologists, has his video camera and he like zooms in on her or I'm assuming. Wait, you say video camera like he's holding a little tiny He's holding thing. a little camera. He's doesn't he have like the whole yeah, over like the, the shoulder over, VHS? But that's how I would hold it. I would hold a very This thing weighs about forty pounds. Yeah. He's just like Yeah, he's holding it like this, I'm assuming. Or does the guy have another small camera? Maybe it's like a film camera. Maybe it's like that's a like it's smaller. like a mid size camera. One guy has a VHS that's like over the shoulder style. Marty, he peaced out. He's gone. <laughs> He's like, ooh, exploding beef out of here. My face melted. Oof, strike three. And he got bit. Poor Marty. Yeah. No wonder why he left. I mean, we didn't really talk about this team, the first team that comes in. Um, one of the first thing I noticed from when they call in this team of specialists is that uh, they their home base is UC Irvine, which yeah. is the college that we went to. Aww. Which is the backdrop of many a film. And it's where we met. That's where we met. And decided, not decided, discovered that we liked Evil Dead 2. That's not where I discovered I liked Evil Dead 2. But no, discovered like... that we both liked Evil oh, Dead gotcha. 2. Oh, gotcha, yeah. Psh, 
It's not where I discovered it either. So <laughs> whatever, dude. Oh man. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna cut this part anyway. Um, but the this team they go in there and there's a team of three and they're actually like living in. They set up all their gear to try to re- to try to record everything. Yeah. And um, Marty's trying to be the naysayer. He's like, the voice could be coming from a CB radio. I'm like picturing Carol Ann on a CB radio in the closet. Yeah, they have trying the, to dupe yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. in the attic. Yeah. But I just think I just thought that was another one of the like there's so many little jokes and one liners and just little funny moments. Um, oh. They're there for like what feels like a, at least a solid week and they're recording things. They're kind of skeptical, but they're experiencing it. And then they, they believe they kind of are freaked out. So a couple of them peace out. So Marty and the lady. Only Marty leaves. Well, Marty peace out because he's freaked out. But then the yeah. lady goes and gets Tangina. Yeah. Dr. Lash is like, I'm And then Tangina comes in and she solves the problem just instantly. Yeah. She's like, you should have called me in the first place. It's been a shorter movie. Yeah, but they yeah, but the the other team their purpose was to document it, right? Yeah, and I think they were cheap. I mean, they're from the university and they're probably free college students. Yeah, college two college wages. kids and one non-degreed parapsychologist, as she said. She's like, oh, you don't get a master's in this. I'm a very irresponsible woman for my age, which <laughs> I thought was funny. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> well, then I don't blame Marty for piecing out. Yeah, he's, like, he's probably he's yeah he's doing an unpaid internship. Yeah, and he's going to be a philosophy major. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but Ryan was having a whale of a time. If you like watch his facial expressions the whole time, he stuck through. He's so awestruck, and he's just like, "Wow, look at all this!" And he's doodling monsters on his like little notepad. Meanwhile, like Marty's face is falling apart, and then he's drawing his little numbers on the baseballs. He's like, oh, yeah, this is my handwriting. <laughs> I'm doing a good job. I don't know. He's just having a good time. You know, doesn't care that this portal could close at any minute and leave Carolyn trapped forever. That's nah. the pressing issue, is that they have a finite amount of time to get this done. So I don't think they're Wait, actually... do they know that, though? Yeah, that's what the lady, the first lady said. She said that... But she also said that she there was there were no certificates and no real science to behind what she was doing so but she did say there's a possibility this portal's gonna close (laughs) so she's saying this is a possibility but don't trust me yeah okay and she pulls out the booze so it's like how trustworthy is this lady can i say some more of the funny lines the jokes yeah let's let's hear some more jokes okay this movie was hilarious so (laughs) (laughs) This is yeah. It's a great comedy, horror comedy, about family of, friendly. Yeah, some of the little lots of jokes. Little jokes here. Uh, okay, so in the beginning, when Diane's trying to show Coach the chair trick, or yeah. not Coach, but you know the dad, she's like, "Okay, now reach back into your past when you used to have an open mind. Remember that?" <laughs> and she just glosses over it really fast. She's like, "Uh huh. Yeah, I guess so." <laughs> yeah, there are these kind of throwaway lines. Yeah. And he's not like, hey, I have an open mind. But he's like, yeah, I don't have an open mind anymore. (laughs) I get it. And he doesn't because even up until Tangina arrives, he's still a skeptic. Even after his kid gets sucked into a closet and speaks to him through a static TV, he still doesn't believe that Tangina can be clairvoyant. What's wrong with you? Trying to like. Oh, I thought you you were saying he was skeptical about the whole like haunting situation. No, he's skeptical like kind of 
of everything until yeah. it happens. And I think that's why he looks the most haggard. Yeah. Um, after Carol Ann disappears, he has the deep circles under the eyes immediately. He's taking up smoking cigarettes. And Joe Beth, or Diane, looks really good. She actually looks refreshed. And she looks like she has a very positive attitude about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And she that, she believed uh, Caroline immediately. Yeah, I mean that was really which, refreshing. Yeah, when she saw the the chair sculpture on the table, and she just kind of looks at Caroline and she goes, "The TV people." Caroline's like, "Mm-hmm, told you." And the mom's <laughs> like, "Okay," and she gets kind of like misty eyed, like, "Okay, this is huge," but she's not scared. She's more just like awestruck, kind of like Ryan. Yeah. I think that is one of the nice things about the film is that they they don't uh, linger on like people not believing that this is a real thing. It's like they hit you with it, mm-hmm. and as soon as it becomes a thing for the audience, it's like everyone's on yeah. on board with and it. And there are a couple people that have their um, reservations, like Marty, but right. it's not annoying. You know, like you usually have that character that just really tries to be aggressively naysayer about stuff yeah where it's like no it's not possible i'm gonna quote science stuff at you now yeah and you're just like uh get that guy traumatized quick get that guy traumatized <laughs> quick yeah so he can stop being a naysayer all right so what are some of the other, other little jokes little, little jokes because when i'm thinking jokes i'm thinking like like science splitters yeah, I mean they're pretty funny. They're they're more of like these little in the in the moment when you're watching the movie, you're like uh, a little good throwaway line there. I just thought I was like, dang, Stephen, this is a good script. He's witty. He's very witty. Um, Do you oh. not remember the wit in Jaws and E.T. Oh. and Forrest Gump, Saving Private Ryan? Did he write those? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to name Steven Spielberg movies. I think I heard this is one of Schindler's his... List. Did he, that's hardly a side splitter, <laughs> I hope. I mean, I can't remember, but right, I don't remember on. laughing ever <laughs> in that movie. Um, okay, this one actually was funny. So mm-hmm. he's talking to Mr. Teague, the the villain of the movie, besides the beast, the 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 housing he's developer. The, yeah, he's the developer. The yeah. main housing developer that's like, who cares about the cemetery? You can just move a five miles down the road. It's not that hard. Anyway, bad dude. Yeah. Kind of like... Was that the joke? That's not the joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out where the joke is. Uh, funny. Um, no, so he's... The dad, Mr. Freeling's talking to Mr. Teague. And Mr. Teague's like, So where's Carol Ann? So-and-so's in her class and said she hasn't been in class enough, blah, blah, blah. And the dad's like, Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, well, well, is she around the house? And the dad's like, yep, she's around. <laughs> <laughs> Another throwaway line. Yeah. You make Mr. Teague sound like a old-timey Old-timey drifter. prospector. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, back in my day. Back in my day, we coach. We just moved the graves over. <laughs> we just moved over the headstones. Looks like you got cable problems here and what? electrical as well. Are, are those beans on the stove? Can I take some? My bare hands. Thanks, missus. Thanks, missus. <laughs> I don't know why I think. Uh, that he's not like that at all. No, he's like he's, your he's like your typical. Yeah, he's kind of like the bad 80s guy. Businessman. He is the villain. Yeah, he's the villain. He's kind of like you know the mayor in Jaws. So 
Going I, back to Steven Spielberg. I mate. always got Mr. Teague and the mayor and Jaws confused. I thought it was the same actor until probably a year ago. Hmm. Yeah. Because they just, they both have that aura of like, whatever, whatever can make me get my buck faster. Does it send us to the moral of the story being like, don't um, be greedy. Yeah. Everyone will die. Greed will lead to hauntings. And sharks. And sharks. Yeah. You will be haunted by sharks if you're greedy. So don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Last funny throwaway line. Okay. At the very end when they're standing by the U-Haul or moving truck mm-hmm. and Dana's like, I'm done packing. I'm going to go to my boyfriend's house or someone's house. And... Diane's like, okay, well, we're going to stay at the Holiday Inn by the blah, blah, blah. And Dana's like, oh, yeah, I remember that place. And Diane's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and she tries to cover it up. Oh, what are you going to do about that gray hair? <laughs> Distracts her quick. So many little moments. So, That's what makes a so, great, memorable yes. film. You could watch it again and again and find these yeah. little And treasures. I never saw Dana's hickey. Until you told me. It was weird because, okay, um, I will admit that, you know, we watched this movie a couple of times in the recent past because, Mm -hmm. you know, we're preparing for the podcast Mm -hmm. and stuff. And um, like the first two times I didn't watch it super closely. I think I maybe watched like half and I might have been slightly distracted. And then I watched maybe another half and I was slightly distracted. And this time I made it the point to be focused the whole time and to actually watch and be perceptive, perceptive and all that. Good job. And um, I did notice that Dana had a hickey and I was just like, well, first of all, I was like, what's up with Dana? She's she's just like, oh, my family's going through this thing. I'm just going to peace out to my friends. She's in high school. She has a lot that she's dealing with. She's got a life. She has a life. She has hormones. She has a boyfriend, maybe. She has some friends. Yeah. And she is probably studying for hard tests. It's like, yeah, when she's around, she definitely feels for the rest of the family member. But she'd also just she, rather not be she around. She does not have the emotional capacity to take it all in. So she, she has but to she get did, out of there. She did feel the emotions when she was there. but then she, she felt the emotions, but she did not have the quote-unquote emotional bandwidth to handle it. She was like going on like overload. Like yeah. she was like grabbing her hair. She's like, Dad, I can't stay here. I gotta go to Lisa's dad. I See, I think she was just using that as an excuse. I think she, like, <laughs> she just didn't really care. She just wanted to go to Lisa's because it seemed like she was having a good time. She's then. like, ugh, Caroline. You saw her hair was like Such an attention done. getter. Did you see like her hair was kind of like off to the side and braided? Of course. I mean, she's still gonna be stylish. She's, she's got a hickey. She's, she's probably got, telling her boyfriend like, new oh hickey. yeah, my house is like haunted and like my uh, stepsister is like... Stepsister? sister you don't know well we assume yeah her stepsister yeah there's yeah well another little detail in the movie where he's naming the age of all of the kids Mm -hmm. and dana's supposed to be 16 and joe beth uh, is 32 yeah the mom is 32 so either she was 16 when she had which could be could they be. could have been high i did get the feeling they were high school sweethearts and you know mm. like she was on the cheerleading squad and he was on the swim team yeah they're like, let's get together because we're very fit. Yeah. And I feel like it's still or, possible. Or like, you know, someone was saying, or we had read that maybe it's from a different marriage. I think, 
I read in the, you know, you read the like little That's tidbits. Someone's that speculation, yeah, but you know yeah, what? Well, I think speaking. it's still possible for Joe Beth to have had a kid at sixteen, even though the actress herself, I think, is only like eleven years older. Yeah. Um. Then then Dana's actress, Dominique Dunn. But um, that doesn't excuse her wanting to just peace out on her family that's going through this thing. Hey, I'm sure she's getting a pass. <laughs> <laughs> She still has school. She like, has homework to turn in. Yeah. I'm sure parents are like, oh, you got a hickey? Fine. <laughs> Talk about it next month. Well, she's the um, her boyfriend is probably totally playing into it. It's like, oh, you know, like I knew someone who had a haunted house. and I dropped he... her off right before it imploded. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it implode. And what's with all the neighbors? Or maybe the the high school boyfriend's trying to be like philosophical. It's like, aren't we all haunted in some way? Come here, girl. Oh, that is deep. I'd go for that. (laughs) Someone told me that. He's the brooding. Or maybe she, um, no, never mind. I can't go there. She got with the construction worker. No. (laughs) Those construction workers. I mean, it was the 80s, but still. No, no, because Dana held her own and... Did her little like, mm, mm, you know, flip And then off. the last one was like a little kiss, like, meet me later. No, it wasn't. And <laughs> Diane was like, I'm so proud. I brought her up right. Right. What is this? This mom is watching her teenage <laughs> daughter getting oogled by these yeah, construction she's workers. She's like, she can handle herself. Hmm. Yeah, this is this was the 80s for yeah, you. Yeah, that was right? the 80s. Yeah. We're just like, oh. Yeah, like, hmm. Men will be men, right, guys? <laughs> Construction workers will just pop in your window and take your coffee, drink your coffee from your fine china and cup. Eat your chili beans or your spaghetti <laughs> or whatever you're making hands. for dinner. <laughs> yeah, he's like with the spoons. Ooh, or just <laughs> all right. You here? You keep the pot now. Well, it's simmering. I'm sure it'll kill any germs. I don't know. This guy um. looked disturbing. Um, I. Can we showcase Robbie for a second? Yeah, let's talk about Robbie. I love this little boy. I love how he gets... He has so many panic moments and freak out moments. He does a fantastic job. He is really good. I would say his acting for a kid actor was pretty good. Yeah, he's one that... um, Some of his moments give me chills still. Someone's when like, he's was like kind of yelping, screaming into yes. the TV. When they're all looking for Carol Ann and Robbie, he had just gotten swallowed by a tree and he's all like bloody. For some reason, he's got like mustard and ketchup on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Do you notice that's like red and yellow everywhere? Yeah, oh, makeup went crazy. On yeah. I'm like, oh, this is what a tree's insides look like. Yeah. It's red and mustard yellow. In there. Mustard, mustard in there. Mustard comes from trees. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> especially an oak tree. I think I read it was an oak tree. Anyway, so he's all like, you know, bloody and muddy and whatever. And he walks into the bedroom where the TV's on and kind of strobing. And everyone's like, Caroline, Caroline, where are you? Where are you? She's like, mommy, mommy. <laughs> and Robbie like looks over at the TV. He's like, oh my God, she's in the TV. He's like, mom, 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 mom. Oh my gosh. Good job, Robbie. Yeah, really good panic screaming. Yeah, really good panic screaming. And then mom's like, calm down. (laughs) I don't think she slaps him, but yeah, good job, Robbie. And then his moment at the end when they're in the bedroom, that final act. And yeah, the birth canal 
closet is opening up and he starts screaming for his mom again. Chills. Good job, Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) And that moment when he gets attacked by the clown and he's just like going ballistic on it. He's like, no, I'm going to get you. And he's ripping out the stuffing and the fluff (laughs) is He's just going crazy on this clown. Tony and I have talked about like rage moments in, in movies where certain characters who are just beaten down and beaten down and they finally have had it and they have their rage moment usually it's like <laughs> taking like a sledgehammer to something and you see the blood spring in their face yeah but this is like really good little kid rage moment where you get that stuffed animal that's terrifying that clown has been that staring him in the face forever he's probably sitting on that chair as he's going to bed every night every night it just leers at him and he probably shoves it in the closet mom's like oh you forgot bobo let's put him on the chair (laughs) (laughs) robbie's like no get that clown but doesn't have the heart to tell mom anyway so he's finally had it he's ripping out its guts aka cotton in a really good rage moment he's just like screaming die die (laughs) (laughs) but there's so much going on at that moment or just in that final scene or in those scenes where things are getting sucked in the closet you can you actually like can kind of miss that scene really easily you can because you're also watching carol ann and she's like oh no not again and she actually says no more it's so cute and sad so sad looks at the door opening she's like no more (laughs) chills those kid actors man so good yeah but the best, okay, off of Robbie, going on to Dana. Oh, Dana. The most chilling line of the movie to me that gives me chills every time I hear it is when Dana gets dropped off and she's looking at the house and she's just like, what the fudge? I thought this was all over. And she's like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And that the way she delivers that line is just Spine tingling. That's her big moment. That's her big moment. Yeah. Yeah. She's in the beginning. She leaves for a lot of the middle and then comes back with a hickey. Hmm. Bright as day that I never really noticed. Typical teenager. Typical teen. But still can deliver this amazing, just like chilling line. I want to know what she was doing while she was at her friend's place. Obviously getting a hickey. (laughs) (laughs) That was on the to-do list. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, we covered (laughs) Paint my nails. Put my hair in a side pony get a hickey yeah doing her homework that's a full night yeah yeah probably no homework <laughs> no time for that <laughs> overall feel of the movie does it hold up that's yeah, a good question of course so yes does. so how about for like someone who has never say like um someone who is younger just getting into horror mm-hmm. Um, where would you put this in terms of, is this like a, like a must see, or is this like a, um, maybe if you watch it, we might have to explain a few things to you. So just to like context wise, like this is what a TV is. There used to be channels. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You used to have to go up to the TV and push the channel button to turn the channel. Construction workers used to just come into your window and eat your chili. Yeah. Do you think that these are some some of these fears would still be held by a young person watching this film? I mean, just based off of the general population, I would say the clown factor probably holds up. Yeah. Um, 
how about overall as a movie? Do you think people might think it's a little like too like cheesy or too? I don't think so. I mean, watching it, I was just like, oh man, this is a good movie. It's chuckly. I, I got some good chuckles out of it. Um, it's Detailed. heartwarming. Heartwarming, yeah. It does pull at your heartstrings in a lot it of gets, moments. It pretty much gets right into it. I mean, it sets up this sort of like this, um, you know, we were talking about before, like being in a suburban neighborhood with this sort of like typical American family. Yeah. And I don't think as far as like, you know, horror movies, you don't have to have the the slasher in every horror movie. Sometimes just good character development is yeah. enough. Um, so I think with this one, I think what stands out is the really good character development and chemistry among all the actors. What are your final thoughts on Poltergeist? Yeah. Who has your favorite freak out scene? No, what? No, is that, that is actually a question. Oh, you're asking me? Yeah. What are your final thoughts on what Poltergeist? Do you think, um, Where that... would it rank in, I mean, we've done a top 10 horror I list. Think did, I, I don't think it made the top 10, but I would it make your top, top 20? I wrote a top 25, and it definitely is in my top 25. Top 25? Yes. I could see it being somewhere, yeah, in yeah. the, it, it's up there um, because it's such a classic. Yeah, it does like... hold up. I think it's solid. I as a movie, I think it's overall solid. The effects, the score, the score, the, the script, acting. the acting. Spielberg, um, I mean, you know, the set design, that mess in the bedroom, really good. <laughs> Spielberg is great at making movies that have a wide appeal. There's some, mm-hmm. always like there's something to like in something a Spielberg movie for everyone, even if yeah. it's not like hundred percent the best movie ever or if you're not into like big blockbuster types there's something there's something in it for you all right yeah i mean we would love to hear what you thought of the film yeah thanks for listening everyone listening yes we should wrap this up um so this has been another episode of gutted thanks for watching or listening and listening (laughs) 